0: From the right hash mark and Phillip Rivers with the bolt on his
1: helmet. Back to pass. He dropped the ball. It's about to be picked. Everybody, welcome to episode 21 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm your host, Cy Amundsen, in the studio with producer Chris Corso and other producer Jay Nelson. We're going to break down the Chargers game. We're going to look ahead to the Green Bay game. And let's start, Chris, with a big time win in San Diego. I think going out there, I'll be honest, I was nervous. I know that I'm I'm a terrible nervous fan. I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop. But to me, the Chargers, if we're being honest, they were peaking. They they had just put up 45 points on the Jaguars. They were playing well. Derwin James was back. They seemed healthy. They and it's outdoors. I don't yeah. care how many purple fans show up in L.A. It's outdoors. It's on grass. You have to travel. I was worried about it, and boy oh boy, apparently I should not have been.
2: Yeah, right away the Vikings get started. One of my big keys for this game was scoring on the first drive.
1: Corso's keys.
2: (laughs) Cousins was 6-for-6, takes him right down the field. Touchdown to Irv Smith Jr. It was a great start to a game where the offense wasn't great all game, but they got the points early. I'm going to start a pool.
1: On, uh, in our office here about how many seconds it takes for Corso to <laughs> say Kurt Cousins' name to start the show. But you, you're right. He did leave a, lead a great starting drive. That was an incredible start to the game. You know, one thing that I want to talk about, and I, this is the interesting thing, with football. It's one of my favorite, most fascinating things about the sport, and we've talked about it on this show, Chris, is there are defining moments in seasons and defining moments in games. And football is such a game of emotion and energy that these little things can happen that can shift the course of the way things
2: happen. I think you're talking about a specific play in this game. I'm talking about, about <laughs>
1: back-to-back-to-back specific play. So let's start Philip Rivers turns the ball over. It's, it's 12-10, right? Vikings up, 12-10. Which time? He, w- in the first half, Jay. <laughs> so uh, late in the first half, Philip Rivers turns the ball over. The Vikings have the ball. We're marching up the field. And I'm feeling pretty good, sure. right? Because we have a chance to go down and score. And then Kirk throws. An interception. And not, here's the interesting thing. Not just in it, like that was, this is how well Kirk has been playing. That that I now view that sort of interception as incredibly uncharacteristic. Yeah. Like that, because the optics, anytime you throw an interception on a screen pass, the optics of it are awful. Because A, you have a fat guy who shouldn't be catching the ball, (laughs) picking it off. Other than like sliding right back across the body to a defender, there are very few worse-looking interceptions than sure. the screen pass interception. So you have that happen. It's a punch to the gut because you go, oh, are we are we ready for this game? And then they're going the other way, and you're now in a situation, because the sort of football that we play and that we are good at is we play these kind of one-score games, we wait for the wait for the other team to slip up, and then we pounce. And it bit us in the ass right there and now we're going the other direction and i'm thinking if even even if they put a field goal up but let alone a touchdown because until that point Philip Rivers had been having his way he was he was getting completing long third downs he was marching the ball
0: mike williams so, especially was was making some plays
1: absolutely so i'm thinking they go down they put a 7 on the board it's 17-12 they get the ball at half that is a very scary situation on the road for this team and then the Afadi play. And, th- and, and, and we can break down, Chris, how sweet that play is. We'll circle back to that. But him scooping that up, scoring with seven seconds left giving this team a 19-10 to 10 lead, what that does for you mentally, the emotion of it, it completely shifted the game. It completely shifts our season. It yep. does, like, one moment like that could define how the... And I know I'm being dramatic, but it could define how the rest of our year goes. That was such... A big play.
2: I agree and the biggest part of that play, in my opinion, was the fact that the the fumble was caused twice on that play. It was Daniil Hunter on the first one. Afadi then kind of fumbles it and it goes back to the Chargers and Eric Hendricks causes a second fumble and then Afadi's there again he goes alright, here's my second chance. Picks it up and guess who's all the way running down the field as the blocker form, Daniil Hunter. I mean, it was such a spectacular play. And Daniil Hunter, right when that play happened, I looked – I looked over and I said, Daniil Hunter, he's in the Defensive Player of the Year category now.
1: Yeah, he's, I mean, this was another monster game for him, so he has to be considered. But to go back to Eric Kendricks, I mean, obviously, he's having an all-pro year, and it's just, when you're playing at that level, things are clicking so well. It was such a heads-up play. Austin Eckler is a fantastic athlete, 100%. and it wasn't just that Kendricks was there, it was that Kendricks timed the swat on the arm to pop it loose, and then also, if you watch it in slow motion, he, he finished. Yes. When the ball was loose, he didn't pop it out and then go, I should go get the ball. He recognized, if I wrap Eckler up and keep him from the ball, yes. something really, really, really good is going to happen
2: here. Going back to your point about season-changing plays, I, I want to support that to the fullest because last year we had a season-changing play except it went the other way, and that was the play against the New Orleans Saints. Yep, Adam, Adam Thielen. Thielen fumble. That's, that changed the course of the entire season, changed the course of that game because that was a game that we had That was a 14-point swing in that game, and the season, it changed the whole thing. So this is a play that went in our favor, and it it feels like the same effect, except completely opposite. opposite. (laughs) I
1: I was at that Saints game as a fan, and we were having the time of our lives, and when that fumble happened last year, I went,
2: (laughs) It changed the impact of the entire season. I remember it like it like.
1: Like and, that, and I don't want to pick on Thielen because I think I, he's an absolute stud. It's just a coincidence that it's he. I'm using him on both these examples. Remember the Cowboys fumble? Yes. That punt in the in, yes. in, in the Cowboys game. It's a very similar situation. Good news, we're on the other side of it this time. Let's real quick before we get into the rest of the game. I want to talk about Afadi because we got asked this really great great question on uh, great. We got asked this great question. We got asked this great question on Pick 6 this week and it was who are some of the unsung heroes from the season so far? And and I think there's a few of them, but I think Afadi has to be in that category, not just because, you know, what a, what an impressive thing to come in Seventh round, practice squad, working to the rotation, making plays. And it it wasn't just this swoop and score. If you remember the Seahawks game, that 13-yard sack of Russell Wilson that gave us the ball back with one chance to win it at the end, that was an afadi sack. I mean, he, he is playing well in rotation, but quietly has had just a couple of really, really, really big plays.
2: Yeah, building on that, I'm not sure if a lot of the Vikings fans know exactly what Mike Zimmer does with this defensive line. He puts some of these young players in. The game once, once some of the veterans like Shamar Stephen, Linval Joseph, when they're kind of tired, he puts in these fresh legs like Afadio Denebo, Jaleel Johnson, young guys who are just so anxious to make plays. And talk about a guy who's anxious, Afadio Denebo, Listening to him in the locker room after the game, he's like, guys. This is my first ever touchdown, ever, ever, high school, school, middle school. He was, and he was so happy. And I remember we spoke to him in here on the on this podcast after his first sack, and it was against the New York Giants. And he took his sword, and he and he said that sword is still in the middle of the Meadowlands. It's still in the middle of that field because I stuck it in there, and it's not going anywhere. After this touchdown. He stuck that same sword in the, in the end zone. So it was really cool to see him do that same exact sack, uh, sack dance. This time it was a touchdown dance. Well, that's – and going back to your Zimmer point, I think that's, that's one of
1: the things that as you try to make a run towards the playoffs, you try to get in the playoffs and play well, stuff like that, having the depth on the defensive line to not only keep your starters fresh but also make plays yes. – when your starters aren't out there and you're rotating through guys, I mean, that can be monumental in important games.
0: And we talked about that last week a little bit with Courtney uh, when we were talking about the depth of the secondary and how they started yeah. rotating stuff in. The defensive line, they've been doing it all season long. And if Fadi's been showing up, at especially like the last six weeks, you've been seeing him flash and make plays, making sacks like in New York. And the Seattle game, and now this—this this is just the culmination, I think, of of watching his ascension here as a young guy on this team.
1: Let's do let's do uh, a little uh, positive-negative on because uh, this game is all positives to me. But I, you know, my brain—it's always—it's like let's call it—we'll call it a positive and a worry. That's what we're gonna call this—a positive and a worry. So my positive is the seven turnovers. When we're let's start with the defense, seven turnovers. That is. So many turnovers, it's almost bizarre. Yes. To the point at the end of the game, I assume... I I was just waiting for Phillip to just kick the ball and go 500 alive <laughs> like it was and he even said that like he was in his post game press conference and people were like seven turnovers is a lot and he's like "Ah, you can't count the last two like he was just <laughs> completely out it's it's an absurd amount of turnovers
0: it's the 13th time in team history that we've done that and it's the first time we've done it since September 24th 1995
1: against the Steelers so 23 24 years 24 year. years yeah that's it's just the amount of times it's just got to happen in the league in general is pretty rare.
2: It was a game where the rushing defense only allowed 70 total yards to Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon. Obviously a couple of fumbles from those guys as well. So we talked about stopping the run after that Seattle game where over 200 rushing yards were allowed. They did that in this game. Now here's my worry. It still wasn't a
1: test for the defense. We still haven't been, like, after that Seattle game, I was like, I want to test. Sure, a- and I'm not saying that char- I think the Chargers are a good offense. My my worry is that this was a bizarre game. That went a bizarre direction and doesn't represent a realistic situation. We didn't really get to see how this team would handle playing Phillip Rivers for an entire game in reality. Because it's it's seven turnovers. They 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 a scoop six at the end of the half, a fumble to start the second half. It's just it was just nonsense. If you want me to polish
0: your tarnish, I guess, a little bit on this one with your yeah. worry. We were going into this game going, they put up a ton of points on teams like the Packers earlier this season. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about is this gonna be a boomer? bust Phillip Rivers? Is it going to be multi-interceptions or multi-touchdown Phillip? And what's this running game going to do to us with Eckler and and Melvin Gordon? The fact that we were pushing the pace on Phillip, having guys, literally Daniel throw guys at Rivers' feet to not let him do a follow-through. It meant on the back end, you could see our, our safeties and the secondary guys making plays on the ball because they knew there's going to be pressure up front yeah. and there's going to be these 500-type balls flying through the air at us. The fact that they actually made it happen is the thing that I think everyone should be happy about. We did get the seven turnovers. We did limit the rushing game. Should feel good about it for our defense.
1: And, and don't get me wrong. That, I 100% agree with that. Of the two scenarios... They went in there, did what they were supposed to do, forced a bunch of turnovers. I'm not saying it was luck. I'm not saying, I'm just saying it wasn't the normal test a defense has. And the interesting thing about this season is think about there haven't been a lot of those. No. They, I mean, you had Falcons game, Raiders game, these games where you jumped out and just blew the other team out. And then you have games like the Seahawks game and the Broncos game where, and the Packers game, where you're behind by 20-plus and you have to come roaring back. So there haven't been a lot of traditional football games for this team this year. And that's kind of what I mean. I Understood. I, I, like, in a perfect world, we go out there and they don't turn the ball over at all. And you hold them to 17 points and you go, oh. Well, they, they, they no yes. joke. And, but w- what we still did was incredible and I loved it. But this segment is called A Positive and a Worry. <laughs> uh, now, Chris, let's get to your boy because that's the other side of it. I can give you a couple positives. One, they started out fast. They did exactly what they needed to do. And here's a sneak positive for me that I've been just yapping at you for weeks. Did you see a little bit of that hurry up in yes. the second half before yes. the game got out of control? Kirk was pushing pace. At a moment where we weren't down, we were up and I loved it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think the rushing game was not what we're used to seeing, and I know Dalvin goes down with an injury. So, and you don't have Alexander Madison. So, it's, you're kind of at your your third running back, and that was Mike Boone, who did a great job um, with two rushing touchdowns in this game. It's gonna be it's gonna be a thing to watch going forward on if Madison and Dalvin Cook are able to play in the last two games of the season because. You remember the last time we played the Packers, Dalvin had about 180 total purpose yards in that game at Lambeau Field and he was a big he had a touchdown taken away as well. I mean, he is probably the most impactful player on the offense this year. And he's battling a few injuries right now.
1: Well, and we'll, we'll get into that with the Packers game because I, I do think that's the key to beating them. But I, I do think in this game, the positive is Kirk did play well. The offense, did they, they basically did what they needed to do. They had one strong drive, and when the game was still in question, you saw a willingness to give a little hurry up, to let him go and let him run. The worry is when the game was close at an important moment, we turn the ball over. We turn the ball over. Yeah. So, and, and I think I've said it over and over and over. This podcast, we are obviously huge Kirk Cousin fans. Not quite as much as Chris. I think. <laughs> I think we might find out that Chris and Kirk are related at some point. He's like a nephew of some sort. It's actually Corsozins, and that's that's the full long original version of Cousin's name. But I know we love Kirk. And as a fan of Kurt, we have two very difficult games to get into the playoffs. A, the Packers are playing for a first-round bye. They are going to give us everything we have Monday night. And then we have to go play the Bears. And until we beat the Bears... Until we show that we can beat the Bears and, and we play a game against them where they don't dictate the style of football that's being played, I'm never going to feel comfortable going into one of those games. So I am so happy. Now hear me out. I'm happy that those are our two games. I'm happy that we're not facing the Lions and you know the Chargers again. Because I, I, what I want for Kirk, I like, and it's not my doubt it's just the swirling reality. I want I would love on Monday night for us to be down by four with two and a half minutes left, get the ball on a punt. 70 yards to go for a touchdown here you go kirk that like that's as we do a positive and a worry my worry is i i I can't wait to see that moment i want another chance to see that moment i wish it would have happened in the seattle game that that pick in the charger game made me a little nervous because that was a crucial moment in the game i just and i don't it's not that i want to see it because i think he can or can't do it it's like so I coached basketball for a lot of years uh, when I was younger, and we had this team who early in the season, we played on the national AAU circuit, and early in the season, they, we were down like 23 points in the second half against a very good team, and we just came out we could really shoot threes, and we just came out and were gunning in the second half. Brought it all the way back, won the game, right? Next tournament, we were down 14 in the second half against a good team, came back. And then I realized after tournament number two, I was like, oh, this team, we're not lazy, we're not trying to get behind, but now that they've had that happen, there's a psyche within our group. Like, there's this pack mentality that starts to exist where you go, oh, we're not, we're never out of this, and it can happen both ways. Timberwolves, the last couple years under Tibbs, the Minnesota Timberwolves, you'd watch them, and the game would get tight, and you would go, they don't, they don't win like this. This is, not, this is how they lose games. They do it over and over. So what I would love is to see one of those moments executed just so Kirk's eyeballs can see it, just so the sideline can see it, just so the fans can see it, just to create, let's, let's play pretend. Let's say that that had happened in the Seattle game, a game that we battled our butts off in and Kirk played great. If we drove down and won that game, right now we'd be playing this Monday night for a first-round bye and a division championship. You know, we're stupid. We're sitting in here as as rubes talking like we know what we're talking about. But uh, that's, that's what I want. So I'm turning my worry into... I, I want to worry about it because I want to see it happen. In a season of checking boxes. How'd you like that for a TED Talk? What was that, three hours long that I just spoke in a row? But it's all worth it. It's all great. <laughs> yeah, sure.
0: So the, the deal is, in my opinion, we've been checking boxes all season for things that people have said, oh, this te- team can't do this, can't do that. That is the next step. The whole thing we had talked earlier in the year about saying this team can't have a big comeback like that. Yep. Like you're talking about Seattle. The Broncos was the first one that yep. kind of checked that box. Yep. Now everyone's on us going, well, they haven't beat a team that's over 500 yet in the season. We had at the time, but yes, those teams have regressed. Yeah. The fact for me is going if you're playing a team like the Packers, who's 11 and three, and you might get them again in two weeks. Yep. There's that psyche piece. Check that box.
1: Beat them on a play like that. It's going to do wonders for us come playoff time. And come back to your boy, Cur- or, uh, uh, Chris. I'll just start calling you Kirk. Um, how about here, Chris here, here's, cousins. here's I've got a great take on Kirk. Kirk is at his best and tell me if this is stupid or good. Let's play dumb take, good take. Okay. Kirk is at his best when he treats the game like a wedding in Las Vegas.
2: <laughs> now, <laughs> when does he do that?
1: Now hear me out. Because I, I think Kirk is one of the smarter quarterbacks in the league. I think he studies and prepares, and he, he's got this, this rigid structure and regimen that he, everything is there. So I'm not saying I don't want him to be that guy. What I'm saying is when you get married in Las Vegas, you don't pick out flowers and tuxes and go, what am I going to do for the vows? You're not worried where your mother-in-law is. You walk into the chapel and you go, I do! And then you go play blackjack. And when Kirk is out on the field reacting and just playing to me he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league and it's not it's not even a conversation any fan who's negative about it you can't you can't even phase me on that conversation it's not even a discussion when we're down 20 and he doesn't have time to think let's go let's go when we're down 17 let's go let's go when we're so sometimes in these situations the Seattle Seahawks game that's why I like to hurry up for him that's why I like the speed, because when he, he puts in so much work and he understands the offense and our weapons so well, when he's out there rolling out, moving fast, running, running, going, 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 he is absolutely excellent. I'm not saying he's not excellent when he's not doing those things, but I'm just saying
2: Kirk's at his best when he's a Las Vegas wedding. <laughs> the funny thing is with Kirk, we had a fan call his show and, and they said, I like you the best when you're the you like that guy. Yeah. And he, like, for that quote, it for some reason it resonated with him. He loved that. He's like, you know what, I, I think I'm going to be the you. And that was, like, week four when, when we got that call. And ever since then, I feel like he's been the you like that guy. He's been the guy who's slinging the ball down the field, not worrying about whether it's going to get intercepted or not. I mean, the connections that he's had with Diggs down the field, I was talking with uh, Kevin Stefanski, our offensive coordinator, and and Kevin said the ball that he threw at home against the Lions – for about 40 yards in the corner where Stefan Diggs tracked it right into his... That was the best throw that he's seen from Kirk all year. And that's a throw that not many quarterbacks are making these days. And for him, when he does that, when he's that quarterback... I think that's when we win the Seattle game. That's when we win the game at home against the Packers. That's when we are at our best. That's when we're the
1: team that can make a run.
2: That's when we, We're not going to be the team that can make the run in the, to, to a Super Bowl if we, if we don't have that guy. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I understand
1: if and when and how he is that guy and how to make him that guy and why he might not be that guy at times. I don't have the ability to understand that at all. What I'm saying is what I would love to see is him be that guy in an important moment against Green Bay or a playoff game or something to just let it click for everybody and be off to the races Uh, let's transition out of the Chargers game even though it sort of became about the Packers game. Let's transition out of the Chargers game because when we were going over last week's results we didn't necessarily touch on the playoff implications of everything that happened. So let's start there then we'll do a little Green Bay breakdown because there were some huge things that happened for us. Unfortunately the Packers winning that game uh, put them in a commanding position for the for the division, but it did eliminate Chicago. That was a consolation prize. Chicago is eliminated, and then surprising to me, Rams. The, I would have given how the Cowboys had been performing and the Rams' most recent game against Seattle. I was shocked. Yes. Now, not, I was shocked that they lost. I was shocked at the way they lost, and I was shocked at how hard the Cowboys showed up. It was unbelievable, and it officially put the Vikings two games ahead of the Rams, so we can clinch a playoff spot with a Rams loss, which, by the way, they're playing San Francisco, yep. who's got a lot to play for after their terrible Falcons loss. And uh, so we can clinch it with a Rams loss or if we beat Green Bay. So we'll know Saturday night. We'll know Saturday night if, I mean, obviously there's still things to play for, but we'll know whether we're in or not on Saturday night. Uh, the ESPN playoff machine obviously says we're most, like, most likely a 3-5 or 6-seed. Thanks for that great info playoff machine. <laughs> uh, and currently we would be at New Orleans wild card weekend. Now, I, I know it's counterintuitive to talk. I'm going to knock on the table here before we talk playoffs. I, I hate, I don't want to go to, I hate it. I hate it so much. And that's another, here's your incentive to beat the Packers. And this might come back and make you, I will get angry emails like, <laughs> you wanted this, you moron. <laughs> to me, the ideal situation for the Vikings is we're into the playoffs. You, you beat the Packers this weekend. Beat the Packers and send them to the three-seed. Because to me, an ideal path is into Lambeau first round, into Seattle. If the Vikings are the six, I'd like to see Green Bay be the three and Seattle be the one. We've already played in both those places. We've played well in both those places. One-score games, I think we can compete there. With the way the de- the defense, I'm not saying the defense is a disaster. I think the criticism outside that they've received is a little ridiculous because we've been playing some very good football teams. You know, Dak went off on us because we're stopping Zeke. You know, we stop Russ. Carson goes off on us. I think it's been a little overblown, but I, I don't want to see Sean Payton and Drew Brees, and I don't want to see Kyle Shanahan's offense.
2: There's a way that we become the fifth seed and there's a it's a very clear path. Yep. We just have to win our next two games and if San Francisco loses to either the Rams or if they lose in Seattle and we win out then we are going to be the 5 seed and we'll get to play in Philadelphia or in Dallas. So wait, so now, and I I went
1: over all the playoff scenarios and I missed this one because yes. apparently I'm a dumb 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 person. So if San
2: Francisco lost to the
1: Atlanta Falcons on a last second touchdown, that was no, I huge. Know, I I know that, but I didn't realize the implications. You're saying that if 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 the if the Niners don't go 2 and 0 and, and Seattle does go 2 and 0 and we go and we go 2 and 0, we get the 5 seed. Yes the the biggest the biggest game on that is if we
0: win these two games it almost doesn't matter because what it does come down to is that Seattle game if Seattle wins week 17 at home and we've won against Green Bay and Chicago that means we're the five seed, and it's it's a huge, huge thing for us at this point. So we are it massive huge. Seahawks fans at this point.
1: It is because it, you know, and then it's also because the way the NFL playoffs work is it's highest remaining seed. So even if five or six doesn't really matter to us, if the three beats the six, they're going to two, we're going to one. Because I, I want, yes. I not only do I think they're a good matchup for us. I want Seattle. If we can get to the playoffs, and then if we can get past the first round, I want the Seahawks. Okay. I, you, you remember Major League 2 when Rick Vaughn comes out and he's like, I want Parkman. And yes. they go, so-and-so's yep. up to bat. He goes, I want Parkman. And they're like, oh, I guess. <laughs> that's, uh, that's what I am in my brain. I sure. want Parkman. Sure. So, the, it, yeah, that'll be really, really, really interesting. I, here's a crazy take. Then if that's the case, Put all your rooting on the Eagles. <laughs> you you want to go to Philly? <laughs> I would. I would rather go to Philly than go to go to Dallas. There's just something where I think Philly is a team that has just struggled this year for personnel reasons. Yes,
2: They're beaten up. They They're, are up to all practice squad wide receivers right now. They yes. do not have one player that started on the active roster, opening week, whatever, not one. They're all practice squad wide receivers And right it's now. my
1: belief that the Cowboys are a failure of structure and staff and coaching and mentality and cohesion. They got all their guys there, and you see what happens when they – the Rams had everything to play for, and they got absolutely ruined. So to me, if you make me pick one of those two, if you were like, do you want to go to Dallas or to Green Bay? I want to go to Green Bay. Don't, wow. get, don't get mad at me for saying that. Wow. Right now, Green Bay's playing the type of football that I think the Vikings win at. Okay. They, they beat the Bears 21-13. They beat the Redskins whatever to whatever. They're playing low-scoring, not explosive football. We have an explosive offense and a defense that can compete. I don't want to go down and be off to the races with Dak, Zeke, and Amari Cooper. Sure. I don't want that.
0: Dallas, the reason they won this week the way they did was Zeke and Pollard. Yep. They just gave him a giant spoonful of that and they couldn't handle it. It was crazy how well Dallas played at home this week.
1: So all that being said, we should probably focus on the normal game that the Vikings have (laughs) this week. Green Bay, Minnesota, it's Packer Week. It's playoff implications, Packer Week. Home, game, Packer Week. And Corso, say your stupid stat that I hate. (laughs) Just go ahead.
2: Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers have not won. At U.S. Bank Stadium, ever send your punches in to the, whatever Chris's address. Is. In the history of the world, the they yeah. have not. Let's knock on the table. I have another stat, though. Oh, cool is it? As is it this as jinxing as that one? This is a better. Never
1: stat. in the history of the world has Kirk Cousins thrown an important interception in Kirk. Week 16. That one's on you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the net points for the Vikings this season are plus 119. Okay. So we are plus 119 with opponents this season. I already shared this stat with producer Jay Nelson, so I'm going to throw it t- towards you guys not including me to stuff. I'm going to throw I'll it your way, side. What, a what garbage. is what is the net points? for the Green Bay Packers this year. I'll put the, I'll put it at plus 50. Is it is it more than 50 or less than 50? Oh, it's definitely less than
1: 50. It is. They're one of those unique teams and this is why I want to play them in the playoffs. This is why I think they might beat us and I might have to eat my words, but I, of all the teams in both sides uh, AFC and NFC. I think they are the one team that isn't quite what they appear to be. Uh, they have a point differential of a team that is more akin to a 500 football team, uh, and they've had uh, you know they've had a couple blowouts even that have helped their their big point totals.
2: They are plus 47 on the season, and it is I mean that is just that's miraculous. About a, a game that's,
1: over 500. That's a
2: so this team's 11 and three. They're a, they have 11 wins and three losses and their net points is plus 47. I had to share that because I saw it and I like didn't believe it. I was like looking at like the 49ers who are also 11 and 3, they have they're like plus 2 over 200 for the season in net points. This team's plus 47. That's crazy. And to it's me, amazing that, to me that just
0: means that they're finding ways to win in those tight games like Chicago this weekend. They could have lost easily that game on the very last play. Yeah, the guy, you know, if they pitch it to the outside, that guy's walking in doing the moonwalk across the end zone.
1: Absolutely, uh, you know. Uh, There's a lot of matchups that are really interesting about this game, but I think the one that I'm kind of keyed on specifically is, you know, obviously Aaron Jones will be an interesting one. He's a dual threat back and we've struggled with the rush game a little bit but Devontae Adams, that's the one I'm going to be watching because a, outside of Devontae, I'm not saying those other guys aren't capable, but Jimmy Graham and Lazard and Aaron Jones in the receiving aspect, they don't necessarily, they haven't put on a show this year, and our secondary had a tough time with Devontae Adams in week two. Uh, we've had a tough time with top-tier receivers, and we all know the quarterback that's throwing it, yes. so uh, if we could get one of those vintage vintage performances from the secondary and take Devontae Adams out of the game and force the game into the hands of the Jimmy Grahams, the Lazards, and the Aaron Jones, that could be a huge thing for us.
2: Normally, I don't agree with you, but mm. I couldn't agree with you yeah, more. You're the smartest this, guy in the whole world. I have, I literally watched. I'm the king of this. I watched studio. that Bears-Packers game. Do you want to call me Dad from now on? My eyes were no.
1: glued. He saved that for Kirk. My, <laughs>
2: my <laughs> He'll eyes. He'll be Daddy Kirk, and
1: I'll be Daddy Side. My eyes. And were that's glued Uncle to That <laughs>
2: Packers game against the Bears, and what Devontae Adams did to that Bears defense. I mean, he was the only guy that Aaron Rodgers was looking towards when he was in trouble. Literally the only guy. And he leads the team in receiving, only played 10 games this year. I mean, they don't have another guy that can make a big catch in a big moment. Valdez Scantling was wide open. Down the field, and it, it was a touchdown pass from Aaron Rodgers, and he dry, went right through his Off arms. His hands. Yep. Yeah. Can I be angry for a minute? That absolutely made you
1: happy. No, I I just I tuned you out uh, <laughs> after I started the daddy bit. That was funny to me, and then I was thinking about other stuff. So I don't even really know what you just said. That awful, awful set of calls in the Week Six game against Detroit. That you know when, when stuff like that happens in the season, and the Lions got jobbed. And uh, I know you guys uh, you guys are clamming up because I'm I, you, uh, no, I, I'm a complainer. But when when I think everybody in the football world agrees the Lions got job in week six. And when you look at it, you go, ah, yeah, you know, we could have played better, you know, and uh, sometimes the calls don't go your way, and that's uh, just a game. Well, the truth is, if that game had turned out the way it was supposed to turn out, we should be playing for a division title on Monday night. The entire NFL fan base is robbed of a division title championship game between one of the league's best rivalries on Monday Night Football. And I'm so angry about that. I'm so angry. And I know I don't get to be angry. I know we shut up and go play. But I'm angry about that. Well, guess what? The Lions play
2: them in week 17. <laughs> that's, dude, that's, dude, my, I that's yes. where I was, was going, Chris.
1: That's called set you up so you can spike it down. I know I, we're
2: counting out Blau, our good friend Blau. My
1: hope is that somehow just, Stafford's like, I'm mad. Why don't I play? I want Stafford play. to be as mad as I was about that. The other thing I'll give you for the Packers game to think about is you hit it earlier. The amount of yards that Delvin Cook, what did you say he had in the first? Ab- it was like 170
2: plus 180 yards total purpose in that And that's
1: because this Packer team struggles to defend the run. They've struggled all year to defend the run. It's why that first game was difficult because an ideal game for the Green Bay Packers and it's why they play a lot of close games. It's why they only beat the Bears by eight. If they get a lead and you have to throw the ball they can grind it out sure. they don't want you to run it they can play defense against the pass reasonably well when they know you're going to pass they got some guys on the edge that can really get up the field that's their sort of ball game so to your tune of what happened in the Chargers game first drive march down get a touchdown get the lead to me let's let's get up let's hurry let's let's make something happen early and then let's jam it down their throat running the ball i don't i like I'm not smart enough to game plan anything, but I don't know that we need to come out on our first drive and run it eleven times. To me, we need to put ourselves in a position to where we, we running is a it's the it's the caveat. It's the ice. It's like we have a seven point lead and we get to run. And guess what? You're bad at stopping the run. Yeah, I don't want to be in a fourteen point hole.
2: We saw it in that first game. They were that defense, the Packers defense was winded. They were winded. They were done. Yeah. It was 16-21, to 21, and we were driving down the field, and they were winded. Kirk throws the interception. See, I was negative about Kirk for a second. There Look you go. Look at him. There you go. I don't but, want you to
1: be negative. But
2: they were— they I were, don't want
1: Christmas to be weird for you guys. <laughs> they,
2: <laughs> they were winded. The, the Packers defense, Alexander Madison, had one of his best runs of the season, a 17-yard gain or whatever it was yep. on that drive. That they couldn't stop us. They couldn't yeah. stop the run. And that's what's going to happen in this game. If we play the right game the right way in the mm-hmm. first half, in the second half we're going to be able to just jam just the ball down their throats. smash it down yep. their
0: throats. Yep. Basically play the last three quarters, not the first quarter from that Green Bay game. We'll be okay.
1: Absolutely. So let's close on that. Uh, We already kind of did it, but let's hammer it officially. What's the one thing that you want to see happen this weekend? What's the one thing that makes us look good on Monday Night Football? Chris Corso.
2: Yeah, I think the toughest matchup is going to be against these young athletic corners like Kevin King and, and Jair Alexander and some of those guys who are real playmakers for this Green Bay Packers defense. I want to see our wide receivers go out there and beat those guys. I want to see Adam Thielen beat those guys. I want to see Stephon Diggs continue to do what he's been doing, and I think that's very possible having these two guys back healthy. I think that's the matchup that we want to watch on offense.
1: That's so good. This has been such a jam packed episode full of things. We didn't even get to touch on the fact that Adam Thielen is back. Yep. Go ahead, Jake. Adam Thielen, it's great having him back. He
0: is number two, if not number one. He is your superstar on this offense. Mm-hmm. Yes, they mixed him in. He got a handoff. He took a couple passes this week. Diggs had more yards. I think this week going forward, On offense, you're going to keep seeing the same. We had seven different receivers, eight different people rush the ball. Kevin Stefanski is going to continue to make everyone guess what's going to happen. And getting a guy like Thielen back, you're just waiting to uncork him whenever he gets the right matchup.
1: And I'm going to double down on what I said before. I want to start fast and then grind out. I, I understand establishing the run, but my hope is we understand this defense can't stop Kirk. They can't stop your dad, Chris, and they can't stop these. Now that Thielen's healthy, you're ready. I want to go out, and on those first two drives, I want to march. I want to put points up, and then I want to go, you're behind now, and you can you got nothing to stop us. There's No, no matter how many times Aaron Rodgers comes on the field, you're behind, and you're guessing. And when they're behind, and they're guessing, and they can't decide when they want to pass rush and when they have to prepare for the run, that is going to be a huge thing for this team.
0: And what I want to see is I want to see us take a guy – who is a top Pro Bowl caliber wide receiver on that Packer team, and shut him down. Yep, We've struggled with number one receivers this year at times in the secondary. I want us to sit there and just completely take Devonta Adams out of the game and see what happens.
1: Absolutely. We are recording this moments before the Pro Bowl announcement. It is officially imminent. should be announced this evening on the NFL Network. Uh, fans, coaches, and players voted. Uh, they are all tallied. Rumor has it Dalvin Cook... Number four in total NFL votes, we're really hoping for C.J. Ham, Brian O'Neal. We, we know all the big names, but those are, you know, on top of the Kendricks and the Bars and the, the Diggs and the Kirks and the, all these guys. You know, those are two guys that we really, uh, C.J. Ham and I love Brian O'Neill, man. I would really, I think he's done a great job. I hope he gets the call. Uh, in terms of a couple of quick Vikings programming notes, uh, Chris's dad's show under center with Kirk Cousins. Who did he have on it this week? Irv Smith Jr. Irv Smith that airs typically on KFAN... FM six to seven o'clock p.m. on Tuesday nights, but you can get it on Vikings.com, YouTube for the video edit of the show. It's podcast downloadable, Apple, Google Play, Spotify, etc., wherever you get podcasts. This MVP podcast comes out every Wednesday. You can get it at all those same places. School stories this week. It's the KFan announcing crew: PA Bursich, Lieber. Thursday night, KFan six thirty to seven. Podcast available. Vikings final prep with myself and Mister Corso will be on KFA and 6.30 to 7 p.m. Friday night. Get our previous episodes on all of our platforms. And do you have a smart speaker? Set your flash briefings. Ask your smart speaker about the latest Vikings news and you'll hear all of our updates throughout the week as it happens. Let's get us a win in Packer Week on Monday night for Mr. Chris Corso and Mr. Jay Nelson. I'm Cy Amundson. We will see you guys next week.